Welcome to the Only One Shot Golf Podcast. I'm your host, Jim Gallagher, Jr. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We appreciate all those loyal listeners. Today, I've had Chad Ramey on the podcast, played his golf at Mississippi State, but he grew up in Fulton, Mississippi at a nine-hole golf course, which is quickly becoming the golf mecca of the South, so to speak. Clay Homan, who was uh, multiple Mississippi State Am champion, the golf coach at Mississippi State. He also played his uh, golf there. Allie McDonald grew up there. She just won on the uh, LPGA. And Chad this year is having an incredible season, ninth on the Corn Ferry Tour money list. And, you know, after several years after graduating, played the mini tours, a pretty cool story of a guy that grew up on a nine-hole golf course. And let's see if we can get Chad on the uh, on the phone. All right, I got Chad Ramey on the phone. Uh, Chad, thanks for being with us today. Oh, yeah, no problem. My pleasure. Uh, you grew up in Fulton, Mississippi on a nine-hole golf course, and uh, I was teasing Clay Homan that it's becoming the golf mecca of the South. Allie McDonald recently won LPGA. Of course, Clay grew up there. Uh, did your dad get you started? Is that who got you started playing? Um, yeah, that's how I got started. So, at, uh, I mean, as young as I can remember, he, you know, was the golf course superintendent, you know, takes care of everything on the course, including the clubhouse. So, I would just come out with him, you know, when he'd go to work. And, you know, he always told me, you know, if you just let me kind of run free and I go out there and just, you know, beat golf balls all day. Yeah. He did. Was he, did he teach you early on? He's the one that kind of got um, started with that. Yeah. So he was the one that messed with me early on. And then he said, you know, he kind of saw it like, Hey, you know, maybe we could actually go somewhere with this. And then, at, you know, at a young age, I, I believe I started seeing VJ at eight years old. Wow. Yeah, so, I mean, I've been with VJ for since then, and then, you know, obviously I've been with Tim ever since he came down to Waverly, which was a little later. Right, because you and Allie, Allie's, I guess you all about the same time uh, together, went in there together working with VJ, but uh, Clay was telling me there's not a whole lot to do in Fulton. So golf No, is- there, is, there is not, and that's probably why we, you know, spent so much time at the golf course, because, I mean, like, I mean, Fulton's a small town, population of about 4,000 people, and, you know, there's just there's nothing else to do. Did you play other sports growing up? Um, I played a little bit of baseball up until about the time that I started going to CVJ, up to about 7 or 8, whenever I kind of started really getting into golf. And then in junior high, I played a little bit of junior high football, but I, I found out pretty quick that that wasn't the way for me. Yeah, yeah, get hurt real quick, oh, and you, yeah. especially if you're on offense. Someone's trying to hit you. That's why oh, I was yeah. telling my tell my son Thomas. I said they're trying to get you, buddy. So I don't know if you really want to play that. But uh, you know, Clay was telling me y'all had some pretty competitive matches uh, at the golf course where you played with the older players. And did you did you do a lot of that? And what did you learn playing against some of those better? Um, players? I think more than anything, I guess you know it. It taught me at a young age to compete because, you know, like I wanted to beat the old man as, you know, as much as I wanted to beat anybody. And then the only other thing that I think it probably instilled in me a little bit was whenever I was playing with them at a young age, like everybody hit it so much farther than me. Mm. And I just, I just had to kind of like, it kind of engraved in me that like it doesn't matter if somebody hits it 20, 30 yards, you know, past you, you know, as long as you play your game and you do what you're what's in your control and don't try and keep up with them that, I mean, you can, I mean, you can beat them, no doubt. Yeah. What were some of the things you and VJ worked on early on? You said you started at eight or nine years old. What were some of the things you guys worked on together? I mean, from what I remember was just like basic fundamentals, you know, like 
some setup stuff. Like, you know, we, we got my grip. And like, I remember, I, I honestly remember when I first went to him, you know, he said this first year we're going to make a few changes, which was like in my grip and just kind of little, you know, basic fundamental things. And he's like, you know, for the next three, four months, he's like, you might struggle a little bit. But he's like, in the long run, it's going to pay off, in which, I mean, without a doubt, it did. Yeah, I think that's important. I mean, I had the interlocking grip. Uh, Allie, I, I believe, has a 10-finger grip, and, and right. my daughter Kathleen, 10-finger grip. And and if you're going to make that change, it has to be early on, because I think as you further you go, you have expectations of how the ball is going to be and how you oh, react yeah. to a big change like that. So I think that was smart to get that done early. How much yeah. time did you spend with him? How often did you go see him? Um. You know, I, I, it's been so long ago at that young of an age, but, like, I feel like I remember, you know, we would go down there for a lesson, and then we would, like, he would give us, you, you've been down there with him plenty, he'll give us, you know, two or three things to work on. Okay. And I would, I would come back home, and for, you know, anywhere from about two to three weeks, I would say, you know, I would just kind of work on what he gave me, work on what he gave me, and, you know, and then, like, once I kind of felt like I was getting better at it or I was doing a good job at it, you know, we'd kind of go back down there and be like, hey, how's it look now? And then, you know, he could tweak a few things or give us something new to work on. Yeah, I think that's cool. You know, he had the videos. He was able to take you home. You could take the DVD home. You could go back and right. work on those things and come back. When did you think about starting thinking, hey, I may be able to play college golf? Um, It was, honestly, it was pretty early on, you know. I know, like, being a young kid, you don't really think about college much. But, you know, I would say once, you know, I was probably, you know, 12, 13, 14, and, you know, kind of had to start, you know, looking down the road a little bit. I was like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm pretty good at this. If I keep working hard at it, you know, I could possibly, you know, go to a D1 school, get a scholarship, and, you know, help out. Yeah, you were a huge Ole Miss fan, but I believe it came down between SMU and Mississippi State. What, what went into that decision, and why did you choose State? So, I'm going to say a lot of the decision was, I mean, there's a, a lot of different reasons, but number one, me being from, you know, super small town in Mississippi, you know, and then going to, you know, I guess you the big, big city in uh, Dallas, it was like I just didn't know how, you know, I was going to make that change like if it was going to change over smoothly is it was I going to kind of be in shock or and then at the same time you know like we were talking earlier like my dad's worked with me for my whole life he would go down there with me to see Tim and BJ and then we'd come back and work on it you know Mississippi State was only an hour and 10 hour and 15 minutes from home so I could still see him and work on it and then at the same time you know I had DJ and Tim in my backyard 15 minutes away. Yeah, I think that was huge. I think that was a great decision. Obviously, it was a great decision. I talked to Hal Sutton, and he stayed home at Centenary. But for you, you had your instructors there, and you were only an hour from home. So I think that was a really smart decision. But your freshman year, what were some of the challenges? What are the things you had to adjust, uh, you know, coming from Fulton? And even though Starkville is not a big uh, uh, town, but Mississippi State's 20,000-plus students. What were those adjustments like your freshman year? Right. I mean, I... Probably the biggest adjustment was just, you know, that first year away from home, you know, kind of figuring, you know, figuring everything out, living on your own, and then, you know, how you got to, you know, kind of be super responsible. You got to make it to workouts on time. You got to, you know, make it to class on time, keep your grades up. And that first year was a little, it was definitely a little up and down because, you know, 
it's just a big change going from high school, you know, living at home with your parents to being out on your own and, and I've, like you just said, a bigger town. But it took me a little bit to get used to it, but I feel, honestly, I feel after kind of freshman year, I got the hang of it pretty good. Yeah, I think that's, I think every freshman goes through that. I mean, you're away from home, you got to, it's time management and you got to learn that time management skill. If you didn't have it, it's a, it's a tough thing to balance. And, uh, but you all had some pretty exciting things happen while you were in school. Football teams, number one, Dak Prescott, uh, I was right. reading where Auburn game was one of the coolest experiences or, of a sporting event you've been to. Tell us what that was like uh, with the football team being number one in the atmosphere on campus then. Um, I mean, it was just, it was just awesome. Like, I mean, everybody, you know, was just kind of real upbeat around campus. Everybody's always excited. And then, you know, like, just the football game. It was just the atmosphere. So many people there. I mean, I, I really had never experienced anything like that before because, you know, like the two, three years coming through, I mean, we had some decent seasons at State, but we were never, like, you know, pulling for that number one spot in the nation and just, like, you know, Auburn came in and got off to a hot start and you know, beat them and jumped to number one in the nation. And just to be there in the stadium when it happened was just a, a great experience. Yeah, my daughters and, and Sissy were there. I think it downpoured at one point, and they sent me a picture, and they said it was worth every second of it to see them right. uh, win. Did that kind of, throughout the, the athletic department, especially the golf team, did that kind of motivate you all to maybe work hard and, and say, oh, hey, yeah, if the sure. football team can be number one, so can we? Right, for sure. It, it definitely motivates you because, I mean, you obviously want the sports around you doing good, but then, you know, at the same time, you're like, hey, if they can do this, why can't we? Yeah, I, th- I think uh, you hear that a lot, and, and success kind of, you know, bleeds over into the other uh, uh, sports, and I think it's an atmosphere, it's an attitude. I've talked to several coaches, LSU, it's an attitude they have down there about winning, and I think it also for the state fans, it's, hey, we can do this. Baseball was right. always good, basketball was very competitive, but I think for every sport, it's like, hey, we can compete with the best and and why not? When did you start thinking about turning pro, or is that always a dream of yours growing up? Um, that that was a dream of mine since I, you know, basically got started. You know, from it's just kind of always a goal. You know, I just loved golf my entire life, loved competing, and like that, it still is one of my goals. I mean, I know it's going to be a hard one to achieve, but I, I want to be, you know, the best in the world. Yeah, I, I think that's a great attitude. I mean, Clay. I asked Clay, uh, uh, you know, who was your best player, which is always hard. Who were your best players? And he said you were the most consistent player that he had. What makes you such a consistent player, and why would he kind of put you in that uh, at that level? I, I guess I don't know exactly what makes me be that consistent, but it is one of the big things that me and my dad always talk about is consistency. It's like mm-hmm. everybody can go out and – you know, a tournament here or there or one round here or there, I mean, they can compete. They can compete and beat anybody in the world. But it's to do it over four days, to do it over six months, to do it over a year, it's like that's how you become the best. So it's just one of the things that we kind of try and engrave in me is consistency. Right. And, and, and you know, you, you turn pro, you finish up at school, you turn <clears throat> pro. Tour school, and there's nightmare stories, and there's it's probably the hardest thing you go through playing. Uh, what was that experience like, or the first experience like at Q school for you? Um, I mean, it was exactly like you said. I mean, it's 
it's by far the hardest thing about professional golf because it's, I mean, it's one of those things like you're you're going to a essentially a three to four months long golf tournament, and it like determines whether you have a job next year or not. And that's, that's got to be some serious pressure, though, isn't it? <laughs> it is without a doubt. But I mean, you just the best you can. You just have to kind of try and put that in the back of your mind, and you know, just go go do what you do, and you know, let let all your practice and all kind of take over, but. That first year out there, I mean, it was obviously a great experience. I think my first year out, I, I think I made it maybe the second stage in this. Oh, but, I mean, it's, it's tough. Just I think what makes it so tough is it's over that three- to four-month period. Right, and, and, and I think second stage is about as hard as stage as there is. Uh, and then they have that pre-stage. There's so many different stages to it, and it's, right. it's changed now obviously but you know you don't get your card and now you got to go play mini tours which is you know you can go broke really quick out there what was that like what were those experiences like what'd you learn playing the mini tours um i think it was good you know you could drive or the the mini tours i played with i could drive to all of them and so you know i get in the car and you know a lot of the mini tours are pretty good about you know following the mondays around so you know i do a monday and then if you didn't make it in the Monday, play the mini tour. But it just kind of a little different than college because, you know, in college you always have your coach that books your hotels. They, you know, kind of drive you around everywhere. They just kind of get everything in order for you. And then once you hit the mini tours, it's like you're on your own. Like you have to, I guess, pay for everything. You know, you're responsible for booking your hotels. You're just kind of out on your own. And it kind of teaches you how to kind of just – manage everything and get to where you know you can manage everything and then worry about golf at the same time that had to be a little overwhelming at first being out i mean you, you talked about on your own at school but like you had, like you said you got coaches and administrators helping you along that had to be overwhelming for you that first year trying to figure out all right i'm gonna go try to play on a monday and, and those are usually four spots or six or eight spots on corn ferry tour that had to be a little overwhelming for you wasn't it for sure it was and I've, it's, it's a problem that I'm trying to be better at, but I've always had a problem with, like, that first year that, you know, I go or do something new, it usually takes me a little bit to kind of adjust and get acclimated. Like, you know, when I went from high school to college, that kind of first freshman year, I had some ups and downs. And then the same, like, when I went directly from college to professional golf, I kind of had the ups and downs where, cause, you know, it's just having to kind of figure out how to manage everything and still take care of golf. So those are the adjustments you had to make is more about managing yourself and your time and kind of right. like you did in college as, as well. Tell right. us what a, what's a Monday qualifier like? Because, I mean, a lot of people don't realize that's the way the tour used to be. Uh, but the PGA Tour is usually a pre-qualifier. There's four spots, the Corn Ferry Tour, which I think the Corn Ferry Tour is probably a tough uh, event to get through. What are those experiences like? Um, it's tough because, I mean, you know going into it, you're going to have to shoot a low score. I mean, you can go to some of the tougher courses and, you know, like four or five under will get in. But majority of the time, you're out there at a Monday qualifier and you got to shoot seven, eight under or better to really even have a chance. And it's just tough mentally because, you know, if you start off and you don't get off to a, a hot start and, you know, you're even par through five or six holes, you kind of feel like you're behind the eight ball. But it's like at the same time, you can't start pressing. So it, it's just, I feel like the Mondays are almost as hard mentally as anything because, like, you have to shoot such a low score, but 
I, I don't feel like it never worked for me anyways. I couldn't shoot a low score by necessarily going out there and trying to shoot a low score. That's what I was going to ask you. That's 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 what I was going to ask you because I think that's what so many people they get on the first tee and say, "All right, I got to do it. I got to do it." And and that's just double pressure that you put on yourself. Uh, right. And then, you, then you play that first three or four holes, and you haven't made a birdie, and you start trying to aim at pins, and then you start short siding yourself, and then before you know it, you're like one over. Right. Uh, that's a great point, and it's it's do or die that one day, uh, and I think right. that's the. The challenging part of it but you go to the mckenzie tour you play up in canada um what was that like and where was the coolest place you played at up there um it, it was awesome i mean it, it was pretty extensive up there i'm not gonna lie but it was it was a great experience i i feel like that as much as anything you know kind of really got me kind of set for traveling because at that point i had honestly never been to a foreign country mm. And then, so I went and spent about three, I think it's three or four months up there, you know, traveling everywhere up there. So, I mean, it was great. I loved it. Probably my favorite place I went to was probably Victoria. Oh, that's so pretty up there, yeah. Oh, my gosh. It was it was awesome. And the weather was pretty good when we were there, too. Well, you, you talked about traveling, expensive. How right. do you pay your expensive? Do you got? Do you have sponsors? Do you, I mean, because they're not paying club manufacturers aren't paying uh, the mini tour players, the Canadian tour, McKenzie tour players. Uh, uh, how are you paying your expenses? How did you uh, go about doing that? So when I was out of college, I was lucky enough to have a a group of guys that I know back here around home in Fulton and other parts of the state of Mississippi, and I kind of set up a a deal with them where they all kind of pitched in and gave me some money and um, gave me enough money to kind of get me on my feet and get me started to where I could kind of cover these expenses. And then, you know, over the years, I kind of paid them back. So yeah, I, that's I was lucky, lucky enough to have some people that would, you know, help me out and help me get started. Yeah, started with me. I had 35 members at my dad's club put up a thousand bucks, which was a lot of money back then, and plenty of right. money to travel on and did a sub chapter S. I think your dad may have called me on that, and I know uh, a couple of the dads that, if uh, you guys your age, were trying to figure out what to do, and it's a tough thing to to give the advice to because you've got to get people who generally, genuinely, genuinely just want to help you. Uh, they're right, not trying right. to make a buck because a lot of people who are trying to make a buck, then the player doesn't really get to either save any money or there's always that pressure of paying people back. So it's, right. it's always a, a, a tough thing. But you finally get to the Corn Ferry Tour in 2019. What's a typical week for you like that practice rounds? What are you trying to get out of practice rounds? What's a typical week for you on the Corn Ferry Tour? So, like, this year was a little different because my, my body wasn't in the best shape, like, physically. Mm -hmm. I had some little minor injuries and stuff that were bothering me, but like this year, I would always kind of take it pretty easy on Mondays. Like, so I go out there on Monday and, you know, I might putt a little, chip a little. And then Tuesday, depending on, because this year I played well enough that I got, um, got into a lot of the pro-am. So it would always depend on like my week would depend on Wednesday and the weather. Mm -hmm. Because so some weeks we would do nine and nine pro-am. And so the weeks that we would do the nine and nine programs, you know, I'd figure out which nine I was going to be on, and then I would play the opposite nine the day before on Tuesday. And then depending on the weather, like, I know there was a couple of days that it was supposed to rain on the Wednesday program, so I went ahead and played 
whichever my second nine was going to be. So it just all depended on um, how that pro am was set up. But and I mean, I don't know. My main difference this year is I just I practice my short game more than I ever have. That's out okay. There. Okay, and that's a, I think that's a big deal. Status is so important. And right. back to back to 2019, you finished 35th on the list. Really a solid year, but you don't get your your tour card. I mean, was that frustrating, or did you just say, "Hey, I'm learning as I continue to go to and because and, and look like you know it really helped you this year in 2020? Is that that you look back at that year? Was that something that was a great experience for you, or were you frustrated? Hey, I still haven't got it. I know I'm close. Right. I mean, without a doubt, it was frustrating because you know. They're late in the season. You know, I had some opportunities that if I would have had some good finishes. But at the same time is that 2019 season, that first half of the year, I really didn't do hardly anything. Mm. And then it was that second half of the year that I started playing good. And so, like, I just kind of took it as of it's like, look, this last half of the year, I played well enough to get my PGA Tour card if I just would have played like that all year. So it was like I just kind of took that in stride and was like, you know, what we're working on and what we're doing is working like it's starting to pay off. If I just kind of, you know, take it into the off season and bring it back around to the, to the next season, I was like, just, just keep going with it. And so I was definitely frustrated, but I mean, without a doubt, like I just kind of took it as like, Hey, what we're doing is working. Like it's starting to pay off. So just keep, keep doing it. And pay off. It did. You finished second in Mexico in 2020, then COVID hits and you've got a few months off. What did you do during those weeks off and how did you kind of stay sharp? Uh, not knowing exactly when we might get back to playing and, or you might get back to playing. What'd you do in those, those weeks off? So honestly, it didn't really change my life that much because like being here in Mississippi, the golf courses were like one of the few places that stayed open. Okay. So like everything else was shut down and there was nothing else to do. So I, I know. Honestly, all I did was golf. Like, I just, I'd go out, because the golf course, it was either, you know, I was going to be sitting in my house doing absolutely nothing because you can't go anywhere, can't hardly go outside, or I could go to the golf course and practice all day. And so, yeah, I think I think golf boomed uh, along the country. I think a lot of people because it was one of the things you could do safely. And I saw a lot of parents taking kids out. I think golf numbers were up this year, especially in Mississippi, the places that were open. And I think you're right. I think that was smart. You were able to get out there. I mean, you had five top six finishes, two more top twenty fives. Uh, as the season ended, you're ninth on the money list or the points list. What's the biggest difference in, say, this season? Uh, of course, you said the second half you got it going. Maybe that's where you got your confidence. But what's the biggest difference in your success now that uh, maybe you didn't have earlier on? Um, so, like, me and VJ have obviously been, you know, like working on the swing, and we've made a few minor changes. Wouldn't even really call them changes, but I started hitting my driver so much straighter like I didn't even realize how straight I was hitting it to the end of the season and I kind of went back and looked and I was third in driving accurate wow yeah and I was like I didn't even realize that so I got to hit my driver a lot straighter hitting a ton of fairways which has always helped and then it was like I said earlier that I just from and from 130 140 yards and in like I just like I would go to the golf course and I would say, honestly, 90% of my time, like, at a tournament, I was either putting, chipping, or hitting wedges. 
Is it, so yeah. do you look at your stats and the, all the technologies out there? Is that where you look at maybe your weakness and you go try to strengthen that? Is that um, kind of do you use those things? I, a little bit. I get pretty lost in translation and a lot of that stuff. To be Me too. completely honest, like because like I'll kind of I don't know. I just kind of get lost in it. But like I just happened to like it was towards the end of the season and like this thing popped up about that and I was like, oh, let's push on it. And I just realized that I was third in driving accuracy. And I was like, oh, wow, I didn't even realize that. There's a lot to be said about that, though, because uh, you're staying true to yourself. I think some people's mind works with the technology. I think the technology, to me, I mean, there's obviously you look at Bryson DeChambeau, but for a lot of people, it's the, the instructors, if they use it uh, to help with their students, and the students want to get to a point, like you're saying, where you just react. You, you see the shots you want to hit and hit it. If we can get to that. When you watch players that are winning, that's what they're saying. They simplify everything. Right. I think we, we try to complicate the uh, uh, our game too much and stats are important it's a big part of what people are doing i know vj's big time he's dove in there and he helps you with that and he sees the things he thinks you need to work on and you work with it but what will you do the rest of the fall or get ready for 2021 because you're combining the seasons and you're in really good shape to kind of continue that uh, uh trend you have going in the right direction what are you going to do to work on what are you going to work on um as far as like as far as like stop swing and stuff like that like we're We've, I kind of talked to DJ. We're not doing anything um, different. We're just going to go in and try and, you know, make some of the small things a little better. But as far as, like, a change, we're not doing anything. I'm going to go down and, you know, hang out with Tim as much as I can, you know, try and clean up just a few things on the short game area. And then I think I'm just in the off season. I'm going to try and physically get a little better because, like, I guess kind of like my physical – stamina maybe a little stronger because like I had some just a few body issues pop up over the over the year that I'm going to try and straighten out and kind of keep from happening but other than that you know since the end of the season I've kind of taken you know two to three weeks off haven't really done a whole lot but I'm about to probably you know kind of jump back in there and uh if we can't keep things rolling in the next year. You mentioned Timmy Overton works with the short game, works with a lot of guys. What are the, some of the stuff you guys work on? Because your, your short game's obviously improved. Uh, a buddy of mine was telling everybody that plays at Fulton Country Club has a wet, great wedge game, but uh, your short game's really improved as you continued on in your pro career. What are some of the things you and Tim work on? Um, just some of the basic things that like that I really like that Tim does is like when we're chipping and pitching, he for me anyways, I know some people can be different. Like I don't like, it's not good for me to hit the same shot over and over. You know, like Mm -hmm. you have the people that, you know, dump down the ball 10 or 15 balls and they just hit the same shot over and over. And so when he gets me doing a lot, which I feel like tells me a ton is like a one ball chip is like, just, you know, pick a hole or whatever, throw the ball down, read the lie, kind of run through routine and chip it, and then, like, never hit the same shot twice and then go to a different hole, different shot. And just doing that because I just feel like it's so much more golf-related because, like, on the golf course, you never have the same shot twice. You don't get that second chance. And it just just kind of made it flow better to the golf course whenever I kind of did stuff like that. Yeah, you simulate the, the golf, what happens on a golf. I think that's so smart because you do. If you just land the balls down there, you're not even paying attention. You're just hitting right. balls. And I see 
that a lot of college players just spend hours and hours and hours on the range. But I mean, what are you trying to accomplish? You got to kind of have a practice with a purpose, as we we say. But what are some of the things you might need to improve on in your game? Um. So one of the parts that I've not been, I I got better later in the season, but that I've not been pleased with throughout. I guess kind of my career is probably my bunker game. Okay. And I mean, I, I try and avoid bunkers as you know much as I can, but you're, you're going to hit it in them, and it'd just be if I could get you know that kind of up and down percentage, of, you know, give me a few better looks and stuff like that out of the bunkers. I, I think it could help. Like it's not going to make huge a huge difference, but you know, a stroke over one to two to three rounds of tournament, like I mean, in the long run, it'll make a a pretty big difference. Yeah, Jack Nicholas wasn't the greatest bunker player in the world, but he did improve that. Do you set goals? And if you do, what are they for 2021? Um, I've honestly never really been a person that set goals. I've kind of always wanted to get into setting goals just so I kind of have something to strive for, but I've just never really done it, to be honest. Have they uh, if they've released a schedule yet? When do we? When will you get back to playing again? No, they uh, they have not released a schedule for us yet. You know, so I mean, I know it'll be twenty twenty one, but I honestly, right now, you know, kind of with COVID and everything that's going on right now, I I have honestly no idea when we're going to start. But I know it will be you know twenty twenty one. Normally, it's mid to early January. Right, and that's probably when everything – they'll get the schedules out in December and all that. But, Chad, we really appreciate you being with us. You gave us some great information. I'm um, really proud of – we always thought you'd make it out there, and you're going to get your tour card. It's going to be fun to watch. Uh, it was fun to – I actually was on the call when Allie won. So it's been fun to watch you guys uh, grow up and, and, and become the, the players you are. And we appreciate you spending some time with us on the podcast. And I always like to end it with this. Whether in life or golf, you may have – only one shot, and you make it count. Looks like you're making it count, but we appreciate it. Good luck to you, and thank uh, you. look forward to seeing you on the PGA Tour. All right, thanks. Appreciate you. And don't forget to get your copy of Only One Shot by VJ Trolio, available on Amazon. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks. Yeah.